Welcome to Insurance Uncovered, first podcast to bring you insurance news and perspective from thought leaders in the property casualty insurance industry. Insurance Uncovered is produced by the National Association of Mutual Insurance Companies. Hello, everyone. I'm Kathy Imus, and today we're uncovering governmental policy, how insurance industry leaders envision a shift in priorities in 2021, and auto theft surge. We'll have details on the new NICB analysis and how drivers can safeguard their vehicles. Plus, severe weather science. Guy Carpenter research meteorologist Dr. James Waller breaks down the science behind the shifting trends in severe weather events. But first, in Washington, the impeachment trial of former President Donald Trump is now underway in the Senate and is expected to last roughly a week. The House is on recess for the next two weeks for a district work period. They will return to D.C. on February 22nd. Meanwhile, NAMIC signed on to a coalition letter to Congress urging lawmakers to consider including targeting and temporary liability protections in the next COVID relief package. These protections will help safeguard educational institutions, healthcare providers, businesses, and nonprofit organizations from unfair lawsuits. Also, Republican Senator Tim Scott has filed an amendment protecting the U.S. system of insurance regulation internationally. The amendment would limit federal agencies' abilities to impose European-style regulation and capital standards on the state-based insurance regulatory system in the United States. Well, after two years of declines, it looks like auto thefts surged in 2020. That's according to a new study by the National Insurance Crime Bureau. The NICB found there were nearly 75,000 more auto thefts in 2020 than in the previous year, making it the largest theft year in the past decade by a significant margin. The NICB released a new PSA encouraging car owners to guard against complacency and remember to heed some simple tips to safeguard their vehicles. Once every 40 seconds, a vehicle is stolen in the United States, costing millions of dollars for owners and insurers and causing insurance premiums to skyrocket. To help with the brakes on auto theft, the National Insurance Crime Bureau recommends you follow these four layers of protection. Use common sense in securing your vehicle. Use a visible or audible anti-theft device. Install a vehicle immobilizer. Invest in a GPS tracking system to help authorities recover your vehicle. While the cause of the increase in auto thefts hasn't been officially determined, considerations such as the pandemic, the economic downturn, loss of juvenile outreach programs, and public safety budgetary and resource limitations are likely contributing factors. Insurance industry leaders agree governmental policy priorities will change this year given the outcome of the 2020 elections. The Insurance Information Institute held its annual joint industry forum in late January with CEOs from four insurance industry organizations, including NAMIC, agreeing that climate change, tax, and regulatory policies are likely to be the focus of the Biden administration and the Democrat-controlled U.S. House and Senate. At the state level, the industry leaders expect to face challenges to risk-based pricing and any efforts to curb the growing costs of litigation due to lawsuit abuse. During the panel discussion, NAMIC President and CEO Chuck Chamnus noted the many challenges of 2020, but also highlighted the industry's ability to adapt to a rapidly evolving environment. In terms of things that went well, I would start with 
we're, you know, we showed our resiliency, an ultimate stress test for our industry. So start with the transition to remote work. Look at how our companies perform. Look at how our organizations performed in terms of 100% right on the spot. You're now working remotely. And think about the stress on technology and systems, all the preparation companies made that paid off so that we could do our job for policyholders in this year. Then of course, you know, look at the changes in our business, dynamic changes caused in large part by the pandemic where, you know, we gave back $14 billion to policyholders, you know, in premium uh, through various means and contribute another couple hundred million dollars plus according to III in charitable contributions. I mean, we really did our job this year. The U.S. insurance industry expanded on the pandemic-related goodwill with lawmakers and policyholders by also responding swiftly and effectively to 2020's natural disasters. It was a big year. The National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration recently chronicled a record-setting 22 weather and climate disasters, which each caused at least $1 billion in losses in the U.S. last year. The previous annual record was 16. It may only be February, but spring and summer storms will be here before you know it. So are you prepared for the next extreme weather event? On February 18th, Namek and Guy Carpenter will host an all-new event, the Derecho and Severe Weather Virtual Summit. During the summit, experts will provide unique insights and solutions to help insurers adapt to tomorrow's severe weather events today. On today's Unscripted, we're going to give you a sneak preview. Our Chuck Chamness sits down with Guy Carpenter research meteorologist Dr. James Waller to talk about the science behind the shifting trends in severe weather events. Joining me today on Insurance Unscripted is Dr. James Waller, research meteorologist and Guy Carpenter. At Guy Carpenter, James is responsible for extreme weather advisory and post-event analysis as well as testing and evaluation of catastrophe models. Thanks for joining us today, James. Good morning. Nice to join you. Thank you. So 2020 was an unprecedented year. Well, I guess it was. It had precedent, but still. We had the COVID-19 pandemic, um, and it was another record-setting year for weather. Uh, NOAA said there were 22 events uh, that cost a billion dollars or more. We know it was one of the most active wildfire years. Um, 30 named Atlantic uh, tropical storms and hurricanes, and 12 made landfall. So all this is alarming for insurers. What stands out to you as most uh, important or significant about these 2020 weather events? Well, a number of things stand out, and I agree that 2020 was an interesting year, to say the least. Uh, 22 events, as you said, uh, shatters the prior record of 16 billion dollar weather and climate uh, disasters uh, that was previously set for 2011. Uh, as you said, a mixture of, uh, of hurricanes, uh, six hurricane landfalls and uh, 12 tropical, 12 named storm landfalls, severe convective events across the country, most notably the derecho that, uh, that struck the I-80 corridor affecting Iowa. And of course, the wildfire activities you mentioned earlier, um, there are a number of uh, factors in play in, in the escalating trend in these billion dollar weather uh, events that have affected us over uh, over the last 50 years or so, especially the billion dollar uh, disaster events as tracked by NOAA. Uh, one of the key aspects that's, that's driving this is an increase in population density and an increase in the urban and suburban environments with an increase in population concentration, number of housing units, 
And by the way, it's costing more, and that will uh, cause an escalation in risk due to economic factors alone. And there's a good body of knowledge uh, that's driven by professors such as Walker Ashley along those lines. In the meantime, there are some trends in play that we also need to uh, need to bear in mind. Uh, some of them are fairly clear cut for uh, for hurricane and tropical cyclone, uh, maybe less so for severe convective. Uh, but those two are of uh, are of interest to uh, to uh, the companies in the industry. Right. Yeah, I didn't even mention the uh, severe convective, most severe ever that uh, derecho, um you know, in Iowa, that was ended up causing seven plus billion dollars damage, about half of it insured. So, a major, major event for many of our members who write in the Midwest. So, absolutely, you mentioned that uh, it's not just an increase in frequency and severity of the storms, but also population uh, trends and cost of disasters or inflation. Um, what about you know? Our industry's use of historical data to predict and forecast future events. It seems like, and I saw a long-term multi-decadal trend line. And boy, if you look at the last 10 years, um, you know, these disasters are costing a lot more for a lot of different reasons. But how can our insurance company members uh, prepare and uh, predict, you know, what the future looks like in these areas? That's a great question, and it's a uh, it's a challenging question for the industry at large. and And there are a number of components in play. Uh, one is is being aware of any any trends where they where they are apparent uh, in the hazards themselves. Um, certainly for hurricane, maybe less so for severe convective. Um, there are some spatial trends in play on the severe convective side, which. Uh, which are troubling is uh, severe convective activity shifts from areas west of the Mississippi to areas east of the Mississippi, where there is just more to be broken. Um, right. There are some uh, some trends in terms of clustering of severe convective events, uh, which are which are also uh, troubling for the industry at large. And in the meantime, the subcat stuff is is also becoming more and more problematic, um, and that that too is a challenge uh, both for the industry at large. And for the uh, the modeling approaches that we use to support the decisions that we make as an industry, when it comes to hurricane and uh, and especially storm surge, there are some apparent trends, uh, some less clear. And I think the key thing for underwriters and portfolio managers is to be aware of the trends where they exist and to be conscious of uh, the distinction between what we know versus what we don't. And in the meantime, uh, careful attention to um, the concentrations of exposure. Um, underwriting principles are also an important piece of it. Um, for severe convective in particular, there, there's a trifecta that's worth, uh, that's worth thinking about. Um, one is the use of catastrophe models, uh, but the rub is that they were last calibrated using data from uh, 2012. And uh, in years prior, so so the calibration points are becoming dated, and there've been a few shifts uh, since then. The other piece is a is a client's own claims uh, experience or a company's own claims history, their own loss experience. That's another important piece of it uh, when thinking about risk management. And in the meantime. Um, it's important to be aware of, uh, of just the, the spatial disposition of the of the hazard and how that's uh, how that's changing over time. Um, 
and catastrophe models have their place, but the, the science is still evolving. Uh, they are based on historical data. And in, uh, in some cases, uh, weather and climate and our knowledge of, uh, of the hazards has simply evolved since they were last calibrated. So that's another important piece of it. So it's a great question. So you mentioned uh, calibrated back in 2012. I think you're referring to convective storms. Is Correct. it the calibration around intensity that hasn't been updated and, and doesn't reflect today's reality? Yeah, um, for severe convective, uh, my, my comments were directed specifically to the severe convective models, uh, which were last uh, calibrated in 2012. And a, a model can only be as good as the science and engineering literature that is supporting it. And that has evolved in the severe convective space since, uh, since uh, seven or eight years ago. And uh, there are recalibrations or redevelopments in play now with, uh, with the vendors that, uh, that will be released in due course. Uh, but in the meantime, it's, it's worthwhile to be aware of what changes are in play. And different vendors and different uh, companies have their own approaches and, uh, and uh, they're, they're worth considering. Uh, for Hurricane, the, the update cycles are more rigorous as driven by the Florida Commission. The, uh, the updates for the models are, are mandatory every two years um, in order to satisfy the requirements of the Florida Commission. So that, uh, that, that model dating for calibration is, uh, is less of an issue. And uh, frankly, the science is more mature when it comes to, uh, to Hurricane. So on... Um, on February the 18th, we're going to be discussing these discussing these issues in uh, in a great deal more detail with uh, with a number of principals in the uh, in the uh, peril advisory group at Carpenter. So, speaking of uh, events later this month, um, you'll soon be presenting NAMIC's um, severe weather virtual series, um, and here you'll talk about you know not only this kind of information we're talking about in terms of severity, but also where storms are being um, shown and, and how important that is in terms of, uh, well, in addition to frequency and severity. You already talked about that a little bit, but how should our member insurers prepare for, you know, rare events in new regions? Uh, and then specifically, you talk about the derecho. Clearly, that was um, an example of this. So what, what should they bring to their planning around these issues? Oh, that's a great question. Um, when it comes to uh, planning, just being aware of the hotspots for uh, either hurricane activity or severe convective activity and approaching those areas with, uh, with eyes wide open in terms of underwriting portfolio management strategy is, is really a critical element. Uh, again, being aware of one's own loss history is an important piece of it. Um, and along the way, we'll be talking about what, what a duration actually is and uh, and what uh, some of the climatology is. In the meantime, another another thing to think about is uh, some of the, the guidance from the Institute for Business and Home Safety um, around structural resilience and resilience to, uh, to wind, to hail, and to uh, wildfire, frankly. And uh, they, they've made some really aggressive and innovative developments uh, over the last five years that, uh, that might be of interest to, uh, to uh, the companies that we work with. Yeah, they sure have. Uh, we're heavily involved with IBHS and truly believe in the research and science that they're doing there and its impact on our industry's operations. And then we, you know, consider ourselves through the Build Strong Coalition, which NAMIC uh, founded, originally focused on building codes, but eventually 
was uh, expanded to include all pre-disaster mitigation, but we basically got approved the DRRA, which FEMA is now writing regs on, and that I saw in the New York Times just last week an article about how the Biden administration will soon have up to $10 billion uh, for pre to help communities prepare through pre-disaster mitigation through the BRIC program, which is part of the DRRA. It's something we've been helping them write regs on. It basically required for the first time federal government to set aside money from disaster systems to help communities prepare in advance for the next disaster, which we all know as an industry is incredibly important. And so it was great to see our work referenced there as part, a major part of the Biden administration's climate agenda. So let's talk about that a little bit. We know that um, with the new leadership in Washington and continued attention in many states on, on climate change, We've seen regulatory influences start to um, grow and evolve and workforce and advocacy based organization. What should our listeners uh, be aware of and think about on the regulatory front going into 2021? Well, the, regu- the regulatory landscape is evolving and it, it really it really has a, a lot of variability from state to state. And, uh, you know, that's something that uh, that uh, is, is really best uh, left to uh, experts other than myself. My specialization is really in uh, in weather and climate, uh, but but I am aware of uh, developments in both uh, New York and California in particular, and uh, and uh, just an evolving landscape uh, at large. But I'm not aware of any any uh, consistent regulatory uh, regulatory uh, developments as it stands now. That that's something certainly to keep an eye on, and a great question. Yeah. Yeah, clearly, uh, and it's it maybe is unfair to ask you. It, it's more in our area where we are the uh, advocates representing the policy of our member companies. But uh, it's certainly a, uh, a hot issue this year and in future years as we see uh, more attention to uh, climate and its impact on these severe storms. Uh, so, well, James, any closing comments for our members? We'll wrap up here with this uh, great interview. Yeah, my pleasure, and uh, and happy to support you today. Um, acknowledged on the uh, on the regulatory front, uh, certainly something to keep an eye on. Uh, something we're uh, we're certainly conscious of at uh, at Carpenter, and I believe the industry at large. Um, there are some trends that are apparent, some that uh, that we're less uh, less certain of. Um, some uh, some scientific confidence, uh, other places not so much, and uh, we'll be digging into those on a peril by peril basis um, at our uh, at our duration of summit uh, scheduled for June the 18th and uh, looking forward to supporting that. So, so thank you very much for the time today. Thank you, James, and look forward to hearing your uh, presentation later this month. Thank you. NAMIC and Guy Carpenter will be back quarterly with the latest insights regarding catastrophic natural perils and a preview of each season. Over the course of the year, the joint events will take a look at expectations for hurricanes, wildfires, and winter storms. And that's a wrap for this episode of Insurance Uncovered. We'll be back again on February 24th with more insurance news and interviews. If you have a topic or issue you'd like us to uncover, please don't hesitate to let us know. You can always send us an email at uncovered at Until next time, I'm Kathy Imus. Have a great day.